Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here and I am here with Dr. Christina Hallett doing another Be Awesome show on Mental Health News Radio. We are here with one of her bestie, bestie, bestie. She brings the best people on our show, Trisha Brooke. Dr. Christina Hallett, thanks for being on and please tell our listeners about your friend. Oh, I am so delighted to be here as always, Kristen, but today we have such a special treat. You are going to have a chance to meet and actually see my friend, my mentor, my inspiration, the amazing and fabulous, this buildup is so real, (laughs) award-winning director, producer, executive producer of TEDx Lincoln Square, executive producer of the brand new inaugural Speakers Who Dare, and all around fabulous human being who tops my charts. I am so delighted to have Trisha Brooke with us here today. Christina, that was an incredible introduction. Thank you so much. And Kristen, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk all things with you, all all, all things with all of you ladies today. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I should lower my head. Our One of our sponsors of the show, Zen Charts, that's their, uh, <laughs> their logo. I see their logo, yeah. <laughs> I love oh, man. it. Do you have to, uh, you know, shout out to the people that help you keep the on air on? Trisha, tell our listeners a little bit, you know, about what you do. I know that you work with speakers, correct? I do. I like to help people who have important stories put them on the big stage or put them on the big screen. When somebody has a message that is going to make the world a better place, it is my mission in life to get that message out there. So I work with speakers in the speaker salon. I work with speakers in my events. I work with speakers who are doing TEDx's all over the world. And anybody who has a message, whether it's sharing it in a boardroom, sharing it in their home, sharing it in a schoolroom or on a big stage, I love to help people hone in on that message, on that idea, and be able to deliver it so that what they want to say is being heard. And I also work in showbiz. <laughs> I'm a, I work in film, television, and theater. I write 
sitcoms, I write musicals, I write screenplays. Um, I'm also a documentary filmmaker and that's how I get to help people who have important messages give their, their platform a massive reach by putting them into films so that the films live forever. Uh, I just had a screening last night and one of the thoughts that came up was, I used to be a dancer and when I was on stage moving audiences, it was over when I left. So now I get to actually create mediums where this important message, where this movement, where this inspiration happens, I get to create it in a medium that will last forever. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. And you know, it's speaking is still something that's extremely scary to a lot of people. I just get up and emote <laughs> and I've been doing that since I was 14, <laughs> but I was talking about really very, 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 very uh, traumatic things. So it was easy for me to just emote and everybody would be crying, but just doing a regular speech, I wouldn't. And I just realized I did not need to tell you about looking at the camera when we do these, because you already know all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be reminded of things, right? We're always a prog work in progress. <laughs> You're very kind. <laughs> so you know, Kristen, you oh, just said something about emoting, and that reminded me of one of the things that I learned from Trisha and the difference between speaking with passion and engaging the audience and coming off as angry. Trisha, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Kristen, I call this reaching into your bag of tricks. I think since you have been emoting your whole life as a speaker, that is something that you now rely on. So I would call you out if we were working together and say, you have just reached for many things. <laughs> yes, that's, but that's definitely part of your bag of tricks. And it's because we get used to relying on a certain way of speaking because it has worked for us in some circumstances. But many speakers mistake passion for anger or emotion for intention. So it's really important to identify that you are reaching into your bag of tricks or that you are so angry about something that you're mistaking it for passion because that will turn an audience off. We will stop listening and we will look at our phones and wonder what time we can get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you about this because I noticed, um, you know, I've done so many interviews at this point and I've seen people that have gone to these big speaker training courses and they come in to do an interview with me and are they they're great i mean they can click the clicker for their powerpoint at the same time that they say something and they don't miss a beat and da 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 da, da. and it's so polished and i don't it's too polished it's too it's just way too polished i sit there going I, i'm trying to reach you emotionally because that's what we talk about what you're doing is fabulous for what you do but here this is like emotion land so how do people how do you help people that do that kind of speaking get back into their emotionality and and be able to show that so they don't look so zippy do da day on stage well Kristen I think that those sort of people would not want to change they would not necessarily want to deconstruct their performance and rebuild so that it's authentic uh -huh. Honest and and raw, uh, that kind of a performer or that kind of a, a delivery of a big talk is definitely a protective barrier. Yeah. When you are so rehearsed and so perfect, and you know exactly when you're going to click and when you're going to walk stage right and left, and you do it in a way that's robotic, you cannot connect with the audience because you have put up a barrier of perfection. 
So I really want my speakers to rehearse so they're at that level and then they keep rehearsing so they break through that. So that goes away. We shatter that perfection so that you are now so in the talk and so in the body of the piece, you can then feel free, feel in the moment and that's when you inspire an audience. So you do have to get to the place of absolute perfection. You know every single word, you know every single place on the stage where you're gonna be, but you cannot stop there. You have to move past that and break that ceiling of perfection. Oh, so you have to work harder. Damn. <laughs> well, but you know what? Because I have an example of how this happened because I've worked with Trisha and it's not even so much working harder. It, I think of it as really committing to mm -hmm. the process right. and committing to sharing that message. So if I just want to go and be perfect, I can do that in my bathroom. You know, I can do that in the shower. I can do that in my car. But if I want to go out and actually make an impact and share my message, then I have to truly be who I am and then accept, Trisha will talk about this, but accept the gift of the audience and share my gift back. And so there was a time in October where I had a big speech, <laughs> Trisha knows this, and I knew everything and I had my, I had my places that I was clicking, I was prepared. And there I was doing the talk and all of a sudden I said something and my mind just went blank. And I was talking about how stress impacts the mind and in fact you go blank. And so there was a blank and I looked down, I looked up and I said, just like that. And everybody <laughs> cracked up and I'm like, yeah, see, that's what happens and went back. And I really think that that was the moment that the audience had a chance to fall in love with a real person. As much as they may have enjoyed what I said before or felt that they were learning and hopefully were engaged, I think that made a difference. It also shows, Christina, that you were so rehearsed that you could drop out for a second and not freak, not panic, but actually stay in the moment and really have that conversation with the audience. And that's because you were so rehearsed. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. I, yeah, I'm guilty of not doing that. Um, we've talked about the rehearsal process, which is just rehearse, 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 and getting to that point where you're so comfortable. Something else that's awesome about, uh, since we're doing the Be Awesome series, um, that, I, that I've noticed with people like Brene Brown and several other speakers is how um, comfortable they are in their own skin as a human being. They're just so authentically themselves. They're not like, I watched her do a talk and there were lots of people there and she stood right up there and said, look at my hands are shaking. I'm really nervous. And everybody just went, Oh, and, and it was a beautiful talk. And you just like, you just completely connect with her because she's so comfortable in her own skin, but not everybody is that comfortable in their own skin yet. They don't have enough, enough people, you know, seeing Christina first for therapy. <laughs> I, I was just making a note, Kristen, because this is one of the biggest mistakes speakers make, and that is trying to be someone they think the audience wants them to be instead of really owning who they are and not caring whether or not they're judged. That is one of the biggest things that we have to overcome is really owning being who you are and the right people will be reached by who you are and what you're saying. Awesome. Is that an ambulance going by? 
Yes, I live in New York City. <laughs> I, I did a, um, an interview in a hotel room right in downtown New York, and the whole thing was just ambulance, ambulance. And I was like, you know what, whatever. We are live in New York City, so that's what you're going to get. <laughs> yes. What would you say is a big common mistake among speakers other than me that, you know, go, well, I just emote. That's obvious. But other, other things that are, you know, a big gotcha. I think many things get in the way of speakers' success, and that is getting in your own head, and that is because you're not leading with the idea. You're not leading with the message. If you are dealing with nerves, if you are dealing with, I want to impress an audience, if you're dealing with, I really hope they like me, you're not leading with the most important part of this whole experience, which is the message. Once you understand that it's not about you and it's about sharing this message with the audience and gifting your idea so that you can make a difference in their days, in their lives, and they may then share this idea with someone else, which they may share with someone else, that ripple effect is massive. So if you can think about that effect and that reach that you have by sharing the idea, you stop thinking about yourself leading with your ego. You stop putting on that fancy coat, I'm a speaker, and you just share the idea. And that is something that speakers will always fail when they do that. If you walk onto the stage, like Christina said, accept the gift from the audience, which is their time and attention, before you give them your gift and wait. Do not start until you're ready. Have the conversation. You wanna be relatable, credible, and vulnerable. And that means 10,000 hours or having the experience yourself, being relatable by telling a personal story and being vulnerable by making eye contact, having an open heart and just listening. And it is a conversation, even though the, the audience doesn't speak back to you, you are picking up cues that they're giving you. And Christina picked up that cue by realizing that she had paused she knew they were watching her, so she made a joke out of it. So yeah. those sort of interactions are the, are the conversation that will make you a successful speaker. Let me ask you this, since you know, you, know, you know the industry and speaking became an entire industry, a cottage industry. It didn't used to be, of course there were people that spoke, but you know what I'm talking about. It, it became its own industry. So it's part of the bag of tools of marketing and promotion for people that, you know, are authors and you, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So why do you think it became such of its own cottage industry and became so, um, you know, important in that way? I think the explosion of TED and TEDx had something to do with it. Um, The idea of an idea worth spreading, the idea of having a platform for technology, entertainment, and design is really sexy. And when people started elevating their credibility and elevating their um, ability to have an impact on their world, on our world and on their worlds, everybody wanted to have that opportunity. So the explosion of TEDx all over the world turned people onto the idea of speaking. And then all of a sudden, event organizers and conferences realize, oh, if we bring in a really interesting, powerful keynote, we could charge a lot of ticket, we could charge a lot for tickets, and we could up-level our event by having Tony Robbins speak or by having somebody speak like that. So I think it became not only 
uh, an avenue for opportunity, but it also became instant credibility if you're a keynote or if you're a TEDx speaker. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And I've hogged all the questions, so Christina. Yeah, I'm what's sorry. up with this that? This is your friend. I'm Come sorry. On. I, just, I, I just had a lot of questions about this, but I'm zipping it right now. You can have as many more as you want because I can listen to Trisha literally all day long. <laughs> and I swear there's always something that I'm being reminded of or learning more, which is why it's so fabulous. And so I have so many different directions I want to go in. But you mentioned TEDx. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like to be a TEDx executive producer and maybe some of the things that you learned doing that? Thank you for asking that, Christina. It's such a great question because I feel strongly about pulling the curtain back on TEDx. It is such a private and mysterious organization. And when I became, when I was fortunate enough to become an organizer, which was a very lengthy, arduous application process, it was a three month process. And I finally was given my, my um, license in November of 2016. And it was awesome. I was a TEDx organizer. So that meant people started calling me back. <laughs> now, the putting on the show part, that is so my thing. I'm a theater producer. So putting on the show was the easy part. Choosing the speakers was the easy part because I curate. I cast a show based on diversity of ideas, diversity of speaker. Uh, I had Broadway performers. I knew I wanted my event to be theatrical academia. I wanted to turn on people's minds. I wanted to turn on their experiences by having really sexy entertainment. What was difficult about it was the community of TEDx was still quiet about what happens and how you do it. So I started doing podcasts and writing articles about, no, this is what really goes on. TEDx organizers have to apply every year just like you. You know, it was important to me that we're transparent, I'm transparent as an organizer. I would tell people all the time, email me, call me. If you wanna be on my stage, get in my face because I don't know who you are unless you do. And there's a perfect example of that, Rabbi Elhanan, he was in TEDx last year and he started courting me in April of the year before March's event. Long time. and. I just found him so wonderful and he spent the whole year courting me and the application process opened and he had sent in his application and I said, I'm going to give you some feedback. I don't give everybody feedback. I'm going to give you try again. And he did. And he tried again. He finally got it right. And he was on my TEDx stage and he killed and he has since been in my documentaries and he's since been in my events. So, what I wanted everyone to know when I was a TEDx organizer is that there should not be secret and mystery around this. Talk to us, apply, ask the event organizers what they're looking for. It is really hard to get onto a TEDx stage. The application process is really difficult and there's a lot of speakers who apply, um, but we don't have to be scary. And so that's one of the things that I learned is that I really wanted to bring awareness around how awesome the world of TED and TEDx is, but also make it accessible to people. Um, I went to TED Fest the first two years that it happened in New York City, and it was an event for just TEDx organizers. It was for 500 people. We met in uh, Dumbo under the Brooklyn Bridge, and it was three days of 
amazing food, amazing people. And we actually streamed, they streamed the, the Ted from Vancouver live to us. So we were sitting in beanbag chairs and we were watching the Pope give a Ted talk. And it was really cool. Wow. The community is amazing. It's amazing. What's the um, difference between Ted and TEDx? Ted is, is Ted proper. TEDx are independently licensed events. Okay. So, and this is something that I always say as well. In the guidelines, it's really TEDx, they're independently organized events. So if the events are terrible, Ted takes no responsibility. <laughs> I kind of thought that a little bit, but do... Um, for the, the TED and the TEDx events, uh, you know, you said you pulled the curtain back. I just want to ask this and then I, again, I'm going to zip it. Um, do, were they okay with you pulling back the curtain? I've not had a conversation with anybody directly about that. <laughs> and I'm always, this is the thing about pulling back the curtain. Um, we are independently organized events. So I ran my event the way I would run it. However, under the very strict guidelines of TED. And I, the rule following and the respecting of the brand, that is something that we take an oath to do. So okay. that is something that I wanna clarify, is that I'm absolutely uh, following the guidelines that TED provides for us as TEDx organizers, but I certainly was probably the first organizer who said, I have to apply every year just like you do. That's so nobody nice. knows so that. generous of you to do that. That's why I asked. It's so generous when people do that. And, and it's, and there's an art form to talking about what's behind a curtain without it becoming something that could be taken in a, like you're shining a negative light. Um, so it was very, that was commendable of you to how you did it and the way you're describing that it came about. Thank you. Well, that totally speaks to part of the magic of Tricia, hmm. because one of the things that Trisha does and she encourages with everyone she works with is about authenticity and being dropping in and being in alignment with who you are. And what I love about that story is that you really opened up this concept of guess what? Ted and TEDx, they're people. This is people talking to people and sharing stories that other people are going to find interesting and intriguing and fascinating. So to me, that's super exciting. But you've got something new coming up. And can you talk a little bit about that? What do I have that's new coming up? I have so many things. <laughs> I know. You actually, you have a lot. Of, you can go through and talk all about them. But this year, you're not doing TEDx Lincoln Square. You're doing something instead. So maybe start with that and then go into all those other amazing new things you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Christina, I was so excited to approach my co-producer, Jamie Broderick, uh, my co-producer of TEDx Lincoln Square about starting a new speaking platform. And I was really excited about it because it was time to move on from TEDx and to grow as an artist. And so my creative vision uh, needed to go in a new direction. So we are now producing Speakers Who Dare in New York City. And it is all about putting people on my stage who are saying what you are thinking. And I'm You're so excited. You're the mastermind behind all this. Yes. <laughs> ah, I, I'm doing this. Oh my God. Yes. Wow. How, oh, wow. That's yes. So talk some about it. Like, absolutely. Hype it, sell it. Like everyone needs to know because <laughs> this is so amazing and it's going to be available. 
Well, tickets are available now at speakerswhodare.com. And Christina is one of our speakers. I'm so honored that she's going to be on our stage. Uh, part of what Christina is doing, which is really amazing, is I'm not going to give it all away, but she's doing something that is extremely daring and will blow people's minds. And it's all about authenticity and vulnerability. Oh, oh my gosh. Could not be more about those two things. It's going to be amazing. So we're doing two shows this year. And what that means is we're giving people an opportunity to go to the first act, the second act, or both acts. So it's 9.30 to 4. There will be a lunch break. I wanted to do it that way because I want more speakers on my stage. I want 20 speakers. So we have an incredible group of diverse human beings, of diverse ideas. And of course, there will be Broadway performers. We're going to have somebody from Wicked sing Defying Gravity. Oh my, my God. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And uh, Terry Trespicio is emceeing, and she is a two time TEDx speaker, also a comedian, and one of my dear friends. She's an incredible host, and we are really excited about it. Uh, it's going to be, we're, we're partnering up with Sway Media and Binge Networks Television. So, <laughs> So I'm all our, about binge. Yes, I we're on. I'm on binge. So yes, I have interviewed Bonnie many times. I love Bonnie. So we have our own channel. Speakers Who Dare has a channel awesome. on binge. So our speakers won't live on YouTube. They'll live on our own channel. That's incredible. That's that is wonderful. That's right. I saw binge. I saw the little binge logo on your. Uh, Bonnie was very generous with us, and she gave us the whole the network, the whole mental health genre. That was just incredibly generous of her. So some of our podcasters come on and have their shows there and, and then do webcasts. So that's awesome. She's you, awesome. Do you also, I mean, obviously you work with people that are on camera too. Are you working with people also that just do webcasting or, you know, where they're just on camera, they're not on a stage and work with them on their camera presentation? Absolutely. I work with people on performance, on vulnerability, on authenticity, on any kind of presentation skill. I mean, this is what I've been doing my entire life. And I, I like to analyze what's working and what's not. I recently did um, an episode of Bold TV and I had the great fortune of not being first. So I was in the green room watching everybody. And this is what I teach my speakers, steal what's good and don't do what's bad. So I was watching everything happen and I'm like, that looks not good. That is really great. I'm going to make those hosts comfortable as soon as I walk in the room and how I'm going to do that is by referring to their name with them, referring to them with their names. I'm going to drink with the mug that's sitting in front of me. <laughs> All of the things that wasn't real about everybody I was watching it. Why is this so stiff? You mean on because, you mean on a webcast? On a on a TV on a live oh, TV show. I see, I see. Okay. Live TV is scary, I get it. But if there's a mug sitting in front of you, drink from it. And that's something we learn early on as as directors and choreographers. If you're gonna put a chair in a scene, you better sit on it. I know, like I'm thinking, okay, there's a chair right there that needs to be the hell out of here, but I, I'm not on live TV. But, um, you know, it's so funny because I was watching, uh, I watch to watch hosts all the time. Like I, I love watching Graham Norton because he's so witty and charming and how he does his thing with multiple people. I like watching different kinds of hosts, Christiana, I'm on poor show and all that stuff. But yes. when I was watching the, one of the blocks of the Today Show, they've gotten so comfortable 
that uh, one of them had their cell phone, actually both of them had their cell phones on the little table and the cell phone went off during the live broadcast. And they've so, they were like, oh yeah, one of them was teasing, hello, we're on live. And, oh, I know, but my wife's in having surgery, blah, blah, blah. Just like regular life. And I was like, oh, finally, we're showing that on live TV, you know? Yeah. Because that's how we all, that's what we do. That is what we do. And also HD has changed everything. There's no more perfection in the world of HD. So let's just be real. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'd ask you about why that is, but Christine, I, I, I will, keep. I want Trisha to say something about her speaker salon, because that's something that I've <laughs> experienced. And I just, I think the world needs to know. I'm on my own personal mission to tell everyone about speaker salon and working with Trisha, but really say something about that. Thank you, Christina. The Speaker Salon is really an incubator for speakers. It's an opportunity to work out ideas, to work on content, to work on delivery, to preview and test out openings and closings. And it's a space that I create that is profoundly safe. We come in there as a group and we anything that is done or said within those four walls stays within those four walls until the showcase, which is at the end of it. So in order to be vulnerable, in order to take yourself to the next level as a speaker, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be lifted up. So I create a community of speakers in the speaker salon. We spend six or eight weeks meeting at the Triad Theater in New York City every Thursday for four hours. I never tell you when you're going to get called up on stage. So you have to come ready every single week. And that raises the bar for everyone. Everyone's prepared. And also by observing, this is the most important part of this, of the salon by observing you accelerate your speaking ability exponentially, not by being on stage, but by observing, it's amazing to watch. And what other offering is that I, I've decided that just like actors, showcases, and agents, I bring speaker bureaus and TEDx organizers, I invite them to attend the showcase. So at the end of the speaker salon, after you've worked out all this material, you have a six minute speech that of course I shoot with my production company, you have a reel, and then you get to speak in front of speaker bureaus. And I know Christina had a lot of success with this. She is now being represented by a bureau here in New York. Oh, I might, the business head of me is going. <laughs> exactly. This is why I wanted Trisha to talk about this because having been a part of this process two different times, I, and you said it so well, Trisha, I can't tell you how much I learned both by observing, by having conversations and thinking about speaking and Trisha knows this, and Kristen, you know this, probably some of our listeners know this, but I've been running workshops and teaching and doing supervision for literally decades, plural decades. I look so young, you'd never know that, but it's true, okay? And yet, getting on that stage, working with Trisha, having a stop, go back, think about this, that... I was opened up to so many different ways of looking at myself, connecting with the audience. I mean, things that I just didn't even know there were to know, then observing other people all in such a safe environment. And it literally resulted 
from the very first speaker salon, I immediately was booked for other speaking engagements. I am now represented by an agency that has both an office in New York and internationally, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm going to be on a, a pretty big podcast soon, so for someone else who is there. And it, there were so many opportunities. So we're talking personal growth, professional growth, and also, I have such a close community of speakers. So we've met a number of them through the Be Awesome series because they're all people with important messages and ways in which they're out being well, awesome in the your world. your brain's been working, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so this is the Be Awesome series, and I want all those people to have an opportunity to be awesome. That's why they come on. That's fantastic. Trisha, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on. Will you tell our listeners where they can find out uh, more you know, about you? I know you gave the one web address, but give them all, give them all. Of course, you can reach me at trishabrook.com, and that's T-R-I-C-I-A-B-R-O-U-K. And f- feel free to email me, trisha at trishabrook.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, all those places. And binge, binge, yep. You can watch my documentaries on binge and soon to be watched Speakers Who Dare, Christina on the Speakers Who Dare channel. Fantastic. Christina, thank you as always for coming on and being my awesome co-host. You know how much I love doing this with you. And you know what? I just want to say it was super fun to do this with a video component. So I bet our audience is going to love it, but I really did. <laughs> yeah, as long as we're having fun. That's all in, that matters. It's infectious <laughs> to who's watching. So anyway, thank you both. And listeners, thank you. And viewers, thank you for tuning in again to another show on Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you, baby.